I want to talk about poker because Lexi, I want to play poker with your family because my dad taught me how to play poker when I was eight to be like interesting with him and I could play games with him. And the way he taught me was like a CD, like remember when CD games were a thing and you could pop it into your family's like desktop computer. That was the The tower. Yeah. The family computer and everything. Um, So that's how like we would play. And I seriously thought I was playing with real money. So like when I made (laughs) some hundos, I thought like I made actual money and this is just like my dad got to keep it or some like BS like that. But alas, no, it was just like a computer game. But I definitely want to play in your place of honor with your family. Well, they they play like every night. I mean, a few nights they don't play, but every few nights they play. Uh, My grandma, my parents, and my brother, they've been doing it since long before the pandemic. They're obsessed with it. They have asked me a few times. I have sat in and like paid into a couple games, but I am not good at it and I lose. And so I do my own thing while they do it. I love that it's real money as well. Oh yeah, it's real. It's 100% (laughs) real. I mean, we're talking hundreds of dollars over time. I mean, over a year and a half or two years, but hundreds of dollars. I don't even know how to play at all. And Haley over here is like Miss Lindsay Lohan from The Parent Trap. I'm not like, let me just say, like, I'm not, Texas Hold'em is like the only one I can play type of situation. Uh, Not that great because I haven't played in years, but my family does. Like, that's a game that if like all the boys are in the town, because like my dad, his cousins and uncles are, a lot of them are guys that live around here. um, They'll definitely play. Um, my mom tried playing once one time it didn't go so well the other time it went really well and now it's gone to her head and she thinks she's like an amazing poker player but otherwise like we don't play with real money and I feel like if we played with real money things would just go downhill real fast but I do want to like put in like the gambling-esque of making money with board games because I think (laughs) that's gonna be spicy with my family because we love like code names that one's a beautiful game secret hitler is also another one that can be like shuffled in alani you've never played secret hitler no it's um hitler's pretty good it's pretty good so basically you're on like the allies or axis team and one of y'all is hitler (laughs) like among us but yeah yeah i don't think i like that (laughs) People pretending to be Hitler is a really slippery slope. But you slope. don't you have to no, find Hitler and kill Hitler. Hitler. Yeah. That I do like. Yeah, it's a game about killing Hitler. Yeah. I'm less suspicious of this game now. But I'm still suspicious of this game. But did either of you get my parent trap reference? Yes. Haley, to the Lindsay Lohan version, which is the inferior version of the parent trap. I'm going to kick you off the podcast, Lexi. Oh, well then you don't have I will an figure editor out anymore. audacity myself this oh. is a Lindsay Lohan stand podcast I like Lindsay Lohan well before she lost her mind I just think the original parent trap was better now her fucked up bug, then we can have a conversation what Lindsay Lohan and her be the love bug oh yes no yeah, I love that's Lindsay. a great movie that's I think good. she's good in lots of things I think she's good in the parent trap I think she's she's so bad it's great in Freaky Friday <laughs> Yeah, Freaky Friday, I just rewatched over the holidays with my big, and it holds up. 
Freaky Friday, it's amazing. Except probably some of the like, some of the Chinese things that aren't really Chinese things probably wouldn't fly today, but the plot holds up. Mm -hmm. My pillow just exploded. This modern world of science and invention is of particular interest to women. Hello and welcome to Lady History, the good, the bad, and the ugly ladies you missed in history class. Guess what? It's Lexi. Lexi, how do you think this podcast will go down in history? This podcast will go down in history as the best podcast ever made. That, but unironically. (laughs) I mean it. Guess what else? It's Haley. Haley, are you more likely to become famous in your lifetime or posthumously? Can there be a third option? Sure. What would your third option be? I don't think I'm going to be famous. (laughs) No, the podcast is going to go down in history as the best podcast in history. I know, but it's going to be like, you know how like you have uh, those like boy bands where you always forget that like quiet one in the background. I'm the quiet one in the background. I'm not going to be remembered. And I'm Alana and I would like at least one part of my adult life to be precedented. (laughs) Mine was referencing, my intro thing was referencing, you know, the pandemic and you know the coup and yeah i I feel like recently we've been getting daily reminders that we as all past humans are in fact living in history you know my mom forwarded me an article like the smithsonian is collecting stuff from the pandemic send your stuff and i'm like yes of course because we are living the history that was Um, like the king of denmark during world war ii was like hey we're gonna collect diaries and journals and stuff and that's why Anne Frank glued those pages of her book together she wanted her diary to be a war account look it, it got and it worked it paid yeah. off we shouldn't have those glued together pages but you know what listen she did the best she could to you know but, but I don't want to we- hear anymore that's Going back to the misconceptions, I don't want to hear any more shit about people like, oh my God, imagine if like you published your diary and everyone read your diary. I was like, no, Anne Frank, she wanted that. She just didn't want the parts that everyone is hyper fixated on, but she really wanted her account of like life to be public. Anyways, nobody read my journal. I don't want my journal to be public. Setting opens in the slumber room of the funeral director's establishment before the remains are taken to the church. Attention is directed to the cross, which appears in the lid of the casket. This emblem typifies the Episcopal service. So our topic today is women who will be the history, women who are going to go down in history, so on and so forth. And because of that, I have decided to pick someone who I seriously, truly think people will learn about in history classes. Maybe not every history class, you know, maybe not a push, AP US history, but at least history classes within the niche of her field she's going to be really important because she has really shaped and changed her field. Caitlin Doty is the world's coolest mortician. I have been a fan of her for the like last five-ish years and it's an honor to tell you all about her today. On August 19th 1984 Caitlin was born in Hawaii on the island of Oahu and when Caitlin was eight years old she witnessed death for the first time. While visiting a shopping mall, she saw another child fall over a railing and to her death. This event impacted Caitlin, staying with her for years and influencing her interest in death. Caitlin attended the University of Chicago, where she earned a BA in medieval history. While attending college, she directed plays based on the works of Edgar Allan Poe. 
She also published a thesis called In Our Image, The Suppression of Demonic Births in Late Medieval Witchcraft Theory. And after finishing college, Caitlin moved to California and began her career in the death industry. She got her first job as a crematory operator and later worked as a funeral arranger and body transporter. She then earned her degree in mortuary science from Cypress College. In the industry, Caitlin noticed lots of problems. Western funeral homes, particularly in the United States, perpetuate a disconnect between the living and the dead. Families aren't able to interact with the bodies of their loved ones. Grieving relatives are given stressful, high-cost options for burials and upsold on unnecessary accessories and add-ons. The American funeral industry uses a fear of death for profit. Caitlin wants to change that. Inspired by her passions to reform the issues she saw in the death industry, Caitlin opened her own funeral home, Undertaking LA. Now, Caitlin is co-owner and director at Clarity Funeral Homes. Caitlin assures that family members have access to the funeral that best suits their needs, from family corpse washings to eco-friendly burials. Caitlin continues to defy the status quo of Western funeral culture and revolutionize the death industry. Her work brings the dead back to the world of the living by opening doors that are traditionally left closed. Caitlin is also a death positivity advocate and uses her YouTube channel, Ask a Mortician, to demystify death. Her style is lighthearted, yet respectful and thoughtful. Her and her team have done a great job creating videos that make death make sense. In 2011, Caitlin founded Order of the Good Death, an organization of like-minded individuals working to bring death discussions to the mainstream. You can listen to the organization's podcast, Death in the Afternoon, wherever you are listening to this right now. Rather than fear death, Caitlin wants to inspire us to embrace it as a part of life. I believe Caitlin will be history in the future because of her passion for change, her work toward reform, and her unique qualities as a death professional. I'm certain future morticians will look back to her as a symbol of forward-thinking death positivity. Oh, and one other fun fact I love about Caitlin, she loves local bookstores, and when her books are released, she sends signed copies only to local independent bookstores, so shop local. If you want to learn more about Caitlin's life, I suggest you pick up her book, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes, from a local bookstore. If you are an anthropologically minded human like me and are curious about Caitlin's exploration of death practices and cultures around the world, check out her book, From Here to Eternity. And for the young deathlings in your life, or if you yourself enjoy having all your strange death questions answered, grab a copy of Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs? For more resources on death advocacy, check out the Order of the Good Deaths website linked in the show notes. I have to thank Caitlin for her amazing work and for helping me in so many ways. Her books and YouTube channel helped me process my grandfather's death and were overall a great comfort to me in my undergrad years. As I studied culture, death, and history, her work made me feel less alone in my interest in more morbid matters. She was the reason mortuary school was my fallback if, quote, the museum thing didn't work out, unquote. And honestly, given the state of the world, maybe I should revisit that idea. Oh, also, Caitlin is the reason I want an eco-friendly burial. Like, please, whatever is legal when I die, you can compost me, skybury me, use me for science, put me in the body farm, whatever. Just don't let me get sealed up in a casket full of chemicals. And that's, that's Caitlin. I feel like her not interacting with death thing is very Christian normative because that's like, I'm going to be Jewish on Maine again. Uh, we do not do that. <laughs> I have never, for, I've, I've only been to like, I'm very lucky. I've only been to a few funerals in my life, but the idea of having to look at a corpse, I do not want to do that. Being in the same room as my dead grandmother, it was, she was like in a casket because whatever, but it was not open. But just like being in the same room, I was like, I don't like this. Well, Maybe I that's think, my I own think, thing. I think but... it depends on the culture. 
It depends on the region you live in. It depends on your religion. Like there's so many factors because some people really, really want to engage with death. Some people don't. And also if you read um, From Here to Eternity, different parts of the world, what you do with a corpse matters. And I think Caitlin's critique is that Western culture doesn't allow that flexibility that other cultures do allow because different families and different cultures have different traditions. And even within one religion, you know, as we know with like Christianity and Judaism, like there's 50 different ideas people have about what you should do with a dead body, even within the same religion. And so I think Caitlin's whole thing is like, why do we restrict people from engaging the way they want to engage with their dead? Um, Like they should have their options for how they engage with the dead. And I think as Americans, particularly, we tend to like not allow that sort of freedom of engagement with with death it's and with your one death. of my favorite books and I knew you were gonna do her like automatically when we picked the theme I was like ah oh, she's gonna do Caitlin or else I would have also I'm just very interested in death culture and off the bat I have a lot of like negative response to that because people are like why are you interested why are you happy and it's like not that I'm happy about death I'm happy about learning it and expressing about it and on that point of just like the touching and the um being with the dead that is just like a it's such a difficult concept to just even bridge like we're scraping the surface because you get into like what that means now like we're in a pandemic so like in um and I believe is Ebola was in 2014 for parts of Africa the tradition is to bring the dead body into the household and connect with still like your family friend member however with Ebola that is a big no-no and just how disease is transmitted you should not be doing that so part of like the medical anthropologists that were sent to Africa were to explain how Ebola worked even if the person was dead and how yes this is your tradition but to stay safe you have to amend it at some point and like that's still a contested topic like some people are like you shouldn't be saying like you can't do this it's their tradition but then would you continue tradition if it's going to risk your life? Could you do tradition in hazmat suit? No, I was just going to say like, there's been so many times where I'm like, I just want to go to mortuary school because I feel like this honestly could help me in museums, like how to work with human remains in museums. Also just the fact that we already have museums that like are about medicine, about death. Lexi, you're close to one, right? You're close to the I live museum. close to the mutter. I'm not dying close, to go like there. an hour from the mutter. But that's close enough for me. And it's interesting that you say that because from here to eternity is the book that I always say if I become a professor, that's the book I'm gonna assign. I'm gonna find a reason to assign it in every class I teach because I think regardless of what your job in the museum sphere or the anthropology sphere or the archaeology sphere is, you have to understand how different death is to different cultures and how different remains are to different cultures. Like I think with NAGPRA or the, the Grave Repatriations Act for people who don't know what that is, that's just Native the American idea that Graves we need. Repatriation Act. Yeah, the Native American Graves Repatriation Act. We have to give things back <laughs> to the yes. people who were colonized. And um, people don't understand why the remains mean so much to, to these different groups of peoples. And it's because their perception of death is totally different. So I think from here to eternity, uh, I won't spoil it, but it does a great job of going over really drastically different death practices from around the world. So that's my lady. I like how my 
I mean, death absolutely makes me uncomfortable, but I really appreciate how my culture is just like, nope, get him in the ground. Yeah, isn't in Judaism, are you supposed to be buried in 24 hours? Yeah. Doesn't matter who can or can't get there for the funeral, 24 hours. I think Islam's a little bit similar. That wouldn't that surprise me. Too. That makes Judaism sense. Judaism and Islam have more in common than Judaism and Christianity. Don't quote me on that, but I just... I, and all I three think. of them have more in common to each other than to any other religion in the world. So yes. I don't know why they don't get along. Anyway, in the world I would like Rolston. to cancel the word <laughs> Judeo-Christian. Even saying it made me want to throw up in my mouth a little bit. I hate Do you the like Abraham- Abrahamic? I prefer Abrahamic because Judeo-Christian excludes Islam. I agree. It was coined, the phrase Judeo-Christian was coined uh, to literally describe a Christian community of converts from Judaism and is super anti-Semitic. But I like Abrahamic. I think that works way better because uh, totally is more inclusive. I just have a lot of feelings about the phrase Judeo-Christian. I have a lot of feelings about a lot of things. I'm Jewish. So kind of in the Caitlin vein, mine is kind of a scientist, kind of like an educator, kind of everything in life. Most importantly, she has my heart and soul. And this is Allie Ward. So this amazing human specimen is alive and has no idea who I am. And I'll probably tag her in Twitter in hopes that she possibly appreciates and isn't too creeped that I'm about to fangirl all up in this place. This book is like no other wild ride, and I'm going to swoop open that page. Swoop, swoop, swoop. So many of you will know her as the host of the podcast, Ologies. Seriously, a great podcast that I highly recommend. Been listening to it for years, and Robert once surprised me with some of their merch because he said, I deserved a treat, and he knew I'd really appreciate it. So that just says a lot. And you also could know her as like the CDS correspondent of Innovation Nation, an advocate for multiple myeloma and like their research, or as just your simple dad ward. And as the forever awkward middle schooler I am, most of these notes are from Allie herself, uh, little like nuggets of knowledge that I've collected from Ologies and her Twitter and Instagram. Um, Precious Allie Ward was born in the Bay Area and in college she studied like biology as well as like film and photography but finished her academic career in a sense um, with a degree in film which to me is like the best of both worlds Um, and she was quoted saying I wasn't sure if I wanted to go into the arts or the sciences then I had this moment of studying uh, crawfish mouth parts in the library. And I was like, okay, I like this, but I don't know if I want to do this forever. And she ended up that quote with saying like, so I decided to transfer. And for me, that kind of reading that when I was reading really helped me because I've always struggled with the difference of like, do I want to do something more of the artsy or the sciences? And museums was like that happy medium science museums natural history museums and that's kind of a similar path she's taken uh she also before starting ologies worked at a natural history museum in LA and I 
really just want to go back to working at natural history museums. I loved the Smithsonian because kind of like what you were saying, it was the difference between the art and science. They kind of blended together because you have the art and the creativity of building exhibitions. And then you have the science because that's what natural history museums are all about. Doing a hop, skip, and a leap into why I think tomorrow she will be history is through her work with ologies specifically as like a science podcast. And for this ologies podcast, she interviews different ologists or like experts within certain fields. So, and her like episodes for who she interviews just run the gamut. Like we have Egyptology with Kara Cooney. And when that happened, I died. She has Deltology, which is postcards which was amazing. We have fearology, which was like, which fear, evolutionary biology, Darwinism. And then she also did museumology, museology, can't even pronounce my own field correctly, which is museums, but they also like don't have to be the strict expert. There's one for flags. And I think he was just like a flag enthusiast. A lot of them are just people who are really interested in the field and have done some work towards that field. They're not necessarily doing the traditional academic route of they went to school, they studied this thing, they went to more school to study this thing, and they do continuous research. It's the fact that like you can be studying something and be knowledgeable enough to educate others in. She's also what I think is really important and like what I really want to become a good type of educator in is being able to take difficult and weird concepts and dwindle it down into something that anyone can understand. And of course that has to do with like a lot with the experts interviews, because if you don't have someone who's good at interviewing, and that's why I think not all professors should be teachers, that they're really smart people and what they research, but they don't necessarily know how to teach well. I've loved all my professors, but when I hear my friends talk about professors, I'm like, they shouldn't have been teachers. And I feel so lucky to have like the professors that we've had, but she's done such a great job with the questions she's asked. Also just the fact that like when she's interviewing people, it turns into a conversation, which I think is great. It's not someone just spouting facts and being like, learn this now, because for a podcast, you're not like studying it. You're just trying to absorb information. And I think I learn a little bit of something every week and I remember for the one for cats, I was actually listening to the cat episode in the radio room, waiting for our show to start. And I think I was the first one there. And I was ferociously texting my mom being like, oh my God, did you know Charlie thinks this of us? Charlie's my cat. And thinking like, oh, this is so great. And she's gotten me interested into like other fields as well. And then her tagline of, quote, ask smart people dumb questions has just helped me on a mental and emotional level. But it's completely true because we have the mentality of like being afraid of asking questions. I don't know that if that's just me, but I've been caught in very various situations where I'm just afraid to look dumb and afraid to like ask for clarification or just ask for further information. And that tagline has kind of like brought me into being like, you know what? I'm not the expert in this. Let me actually ask an expert. Let me not be ashamed. If it's the expert's problem, if they're going to make me feel bad for asking this question, because it is a okay to ask questions. 
And this is just a quick little moment that I'd like to share with Allie and I. Hi, Allie. I wrote this like five times, but I think it just needs to be said. Thank you for taking the time to talk more about multiple, multiple myeloma. My grandfather had it. And while everything he was everything from my babysitter to the reason why I went to school in DC and now love have like jobs in museums and archaeology, have met these two gals. Um, when he was diagnosed, I felt really alone because no one knew what that was and just said, oh, I'm sure he will be fine. And like, unfortunately, he passed away because he was an old man with other complications. And it was just, I was just a sad ball human. And I would listen to your podcast and it made me feel better. And when you started talking about it, I was like, oh, I've heard of that. Thank you. And just, you made me feel happy. So thank you. And I'm here for you if you wanted to chat, because I know I'm a nobody, but I'm a nobody that loves you. Allie, do you want to come on the podcast? (laughs) Robin Rihanna Fenty. Yes, it is Rihanna. She's said it a bunch of times, but everyone keeps calling her Rihanna, but it is Rihanna was born in the Barbados on February 20th, 1988. She is technically a Pisces, but really a Pisces Aquarius cusp. Someday I will do an actual Aquarius lady and just be like, look, me too. Anyway, uh, when someone asked me why I was doing Rihanna, I was like, I really respect her charity work and her bras. So I'm gonna skip the childhood stuff and just talk about her in the public eye, uh, as it were. Gonna start with the not fun stuff first, the elephant in the room. This part has a content warning for domestic violence, so skip forward probably a minute if you want to, but I'm not going to go too far into detail on it because fun podcast and we're talking about Rihanna. In February of 2009, Rihanna's then boyfriend, Chris Brown, was arrested on domestic violence charges and it was a whole big thing. Rihanna was very open and honest about it in a 2020 interview that November and then Chris Brown issued a statement that I'm not going to read, but it fits in two tweets. That's all I'm going to say. If cancel culture real, why Chris Brown? Moving on. So she started the Clara or potentially Clara Lionel Foundation, uh, which is her charity. They have donated about $5 million to COVID response. They've also done stuff for terminally ill children and girls education. So just kind of all around. She's one of those celebrities who I feel like is actually doing genuine charity work because it's important to her and not just as a front. But that's my opinion. You're not going to find that in sources, but that's just how I feel about her. Uh, She's also an ambassador for the Barbados. Her title is Ambassador Extraordinary and Plenipotentiary. I have no fucking clue what that means, Uh, but she is an ambassador and she's supposed to promote tourism, investment, and education. So that's really cool. I think she's that's a really cool thing. She has eight albums, uh, an acting career, including... Uh, Oceans 8 and the DreamWorks animated feature Home, which was very good. Uh, I've put an article in further learning about her music career and cross-genre work. I wanted to talk about Rihanna as not a musician, since who knows when we're getting Rihanna 9. I don't, and she won't tell us. So not going to talk about your music career, Rihanna. So she has a couple of businesses. The first one I'm going to talk about is Savage X Fenty. Holy shit, these bras so inclusive both size wise and skin color wise they are so comfy they are so affordable 
I own probably all of my current bras in my bra wardrobe are Savage X Fenty. I love them. Her other pretty famous business venture is Fenty Beauty. Beautiful colors, so expensive. I saw a Fenty brush for $32, $32 US dollars. And I was like, I love you, Riri, but no. I can get two bras or bralettes for $29 from Savage Fenty. So I'm literally on their website right now. And their first thing is two for 29 bra and bralettes plus it's, $50 off. It's a great deal. Makeup is very expensive. The bras are very affordable. That's that on that. I really like her Isis tattoo, the goddess Isis. That is under her boobs. I really want a tattoo like that as well. Uh, don't tell my mom. Just kidding. She knows. Anyway. Rihanna, I know you're probably tired of hearing this, but please give us your ninth studio album. I think we deserve it after the shit year we've had. Thank you. You can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Lady History Pod. Our show notes and a transcript of this show will be on ladyhistorypod.tumblr.com. If you like the show, leave us a review or tell your friends. And if you don't like the show, keep it to yourself. Our logo is by Alexia Ibarra. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Lexi B. Draws. Our theme music is by me, Garage Band, and Amelia Earhart. Lexi is doing the editing. You will not see us, and we will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Lady History. Next week on Lady History, for our special inauguration EP, we're going to be talking about the president's wives were just better in every shape, form, and just beautiful, beautiful women.